0: Welcome to Help from Future Self.
1: Hey, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self. It's the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I'm your Keyforge friend. My name is Scuzzy Gruen. I'm also known as Alex, and I am joined by another Keyforge compadre, another Keyforge chum, another Keyforge pal. It's Boulevard Paper Fight. What's happening, Coach? Yeah, what's going on, man? Blake, uh, I'm excited for this week's episode. Because, you know, this is a conversation that I think you and I and a lot of our friends like Rick and other people that we talk to uh, about KeyForge, have had casually a lot, but not one that we've ever dug into in any kind of serious way. And I feel like last week's episode where we were talking about that deck display of 12 decks with your name kind of leads in an interesting way into this week's topic.
0: Yes, indeed it does.
1: So... I guess really what kind of prompted this is you were having a conversation with Sky Jedi, unless I'm mistaken.
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: Uh, about basically sort of what the major, uh, I guess, sort of cons or quists with an official Keyforge client made by FFG, licensed by FFG, that would have FFG's full support behind it and would be a full extension of Keyforge as a game would have. And I think that you and he were talking about, at least from what you relayed to me, sort of the difficulty of. Dex online versus Dex IRL and the ability to get Dex printed IRL, which sort of this question of, you know, being able to redeem 2000 shards in order to get Dex kind of answers the question of in some ways.
0: Yeah, we were we were kind of talking like wonder if this is is kind of like uh, the second phase of of a test. Because we mentioned uh, in our conversation, Luke and I, that the original test was probably the Christmas decks that the FFG employees got last year with their name on it. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like a custom name that is done on demand where you didn't know ahead of time and we're planning it. You basically are given the information when you redeem it. And then how does that kind of follow out from there? So it's it's going to be interesting to see if this has some sort of... Um, you know, application for the future, and if if maybe this is one of the reasons why they're doing this is to figure out the way to balance this online commerce and digital decks and physical decks.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. So I guess that's kind of where we're going to start the conversation. Um, I wanted to get a few things just right off the top here. Um, as far as talking about what I imagine an official KeyForge online client would look like, it would basically be the Crucible. Um, I think that the Crucible has really got it down in terms of what gameplay essentially would look like, um, barring any kind of like graphical upgrades or things like that. Essentially just, you know, you play the cards, your hand is displayed the way that we expect to see it on the Crucible. You play the cards out that way. I I really feel like the only real changes you would need to make um, would be sort of cosmetic ones. As well as I think perhaps on the matchmaking side, like I I think an official client, I would love to see more robust, like, uh, win loss matching. So if you're, you know, looking for a random game, it might match you with somebody who has like a comparable win loss record, uh, Mm. you know, in, in order so that you're not just constantly getting stomped by people playing the hottest decks, um, And that could be broken down by deck as well. Uh, You know, once you've played a deck a certain number of times, it'll just start matching you uh, against people with, like, a comparable deck uh, win-loss record. I'd also like to see, like, a a leaderboard or a ladder or something like that, because I think that would be a lot of fun competitively. Blake, is there anything that you would love to see an official client that we have not seen yet on The Crucible, which is, of course, the way that we all currently play online?
0: Yeah, the topics you sent, I think, are make a lot of sense. I, I I, don't think we'll, if there was an official one based on like other games I've seen online that have a similar sort of, I guess, genre feel is you, you wouldn't get to join a game. It's like you'd say you want to play and then the algorithm in the back end would be pairing you up accordingly. And uh, I guess there would probably be some sort of ranking system that would exist where once you have so many wins, it puts you up. And then you become in a tier and everyone in that tier can be matched against each other, so on and so forth, just like most games do. And that would kind of, I think, really cater to having the esports side of KeyForge really start to take off.
1: Yeah, totally. Like, I would love to still have the option to just, like, I just want to play a game with my buddy Blake. You know, we enter each other's friends codes. We're on each other's friends list. and We Mm -hmm. can just challenge each other to a game. But for just random pairings, I would love to see some kind of logic to govern that from a win-loss perspective. Let me ask you this. As this is something that just occurred to me. Um, I play Keyforge exclusively on my laptop and my desktop. I've never been able to get it to work on a tablet, um, uh, much less a phone. Would you want to see it and could you see it as something that works on a tablet or a phone? And in fact, is that kind of operability like necessary to make the game really take off?
0: I think that is necessary based on the ease of being able to play. I wonder how easy it would be to actually do that. That's the only thing. Uh, tablet I see possible because I've actually played TCO on my iPad before and and it works. Uh, it's it's a little bit more finicky, but it does work just fine. But I imagine the mobile side of it being, it, it'll have to do with some, I guess, programming and how they can code it to really allow you to see things a little bit more clearly. Because it's, it's not like the size of a screen and how much you can see of the... The battlefield and the battle line and all that is actually constantly a struggle I find even on TCO like I have a 32 inch monitor and I still sometimes like okay I need to see things more clearly because there is the issue that exists within Keyforge that there is within a house particularly and certain houses in particular there is the ability to see the card art and make a conclusion that is sometimes the wrong conclusion because there's a similar art style between a few different cards. And I noticed that does happen from time to time when you're uh, not playing close enough attention or not getting that zoom right when you're just assuming that this card based on this art must be uh, this when it is, in fact, something completely different.
1: Let me toss another question at you here. Another one that just occurred to me, actually, as a matter of fact. Would you pay for the official application either recurring payment or would you pay a uh, uh like a, a one time purchase fee for the official client or do you think it should be a free to play but you have to buy decks and maybe they provide you with like a couple of starter decks for free that are you know so-so or perhaps just random maybe you get an awesome starter deck for free
0: well i'm going to be honest like i i i can pretty much almost guarantee that there will not be a cost to downloading the app it'll be like most games that I, I don't see why they would deviate from a current system that exists and is very successful based on other games track records mm-hmm. where you the app is free you can play for free and then they probably have some sort of discounted starter bundle where you get like so many decks or something like that. And, and I'm sure there will be some sort of digital customization that goes with it, such as maybe you can choose your ember to be dark ember or like you can pay for that sort of skin. Or maybe there's like your keys have this look instead of this look, like the, the disc keys, for example, like stuff like that. I'm pretty sure we'll see like house skins that you buy, like things like that, like little cosmetic things to personalize your own. Yeah. I see that being a thing.
1: Yeah. So I, I was thinking about this question myself just after while I was listening to you talk. And there is the part of me that's like, yeah, I think in order to support the game, I would actually be interested in paying like a regular fee to play. But I think that you're right that like the industry leaders in this realm, like Hearthstone, which is very obviously the leader in mobile collectible card game uh, type. It's the most comparable thing, I think, to KeyForge in the mobile realm
0: i Um, think runeterra is i don't think you played that that much
1: no i haven't i've never played no but it's
0: it's way more comparable just because of the it is um uh actually no you're right i think it is hearthstone because hearthstone is turn-based isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah you're right i think it is hearthstone Uh, i just think runeterra has the system down really well
1: and runeterra like uh like hearthstone is not a, a pay to download the app it's a you buy the things, No, you get a, a discounted stu- stu-
0: like bundle and then you can buy more coins and it's like you can use these coins once you spend money to buy like the currency within the game it allows you to to then purchase other things and i could see it going down down that route.
1: Okay, so in your mind do you think that it's a case of the more games you win or the more events that you like do well in the more in-game currency you get and that allows you to buy more decks and more uh like cosmetic uh, enhancements to your 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 gameplay is that sort of the way you see
0: it i actually don't think that would be a thing like me i could see it not to get decks but i could maybe see yeah there's a currency for cosmetic enhancements because if you look at what ffg currently does it seems that a lot of the pricing revolves around the idea of We're going to upgrade your playmats. We're going to upgrade your pieces that you're using to play the game, all the components. Those are going to be the things that are customized, uh, particularly because I think they can't just make like a foil card that you insert into your deck to replace another one because of the nature of the algorithm. Mm -hmm. And hence why we saw the greatest prizing, I think, that Keyforge did, which was the alternate art that exists within a deck. Like that is, I think, easily, without a doubt, the best prizing thing that we've had. I don't think anyone will argue with that. Getting a deck with alternate art in it was just the coolest thing, and and it made me like really want to get out to the stores and make sure I'm there for all the games. Like it really motivated me to be a part of those weekly events. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, it absolutely did for me as well.
0: Yeah, it was just one of those things you really wanted, and you tried like very hard to make that happen. It made it made things like very competitive, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. No, it was definitely one of those things where once like you understood how cool it was, it really did get you just hyped up to be a part of that thing. And, you know, and to really want to show up week over week over week in order that you could be a part of that, which I think is a terrific motivator. I am curious about uh, how that, uh, translates into the digital world because i'd even be up for a thing like um you know this is where i I reveal the dirty secret that i played a bunch of mgg arena over christmas last year um because i wasn't in a position to be able to play uh any KeyForge um and uh one of the things they did was just randomly blinging out some of the cards that you were using if you won an event or something like that i think that'd be cool like if you had a favorite deck and you won a tournament with it then they like foil up or glossy up or alt art up your deck
0: yeah that would be really cool yeah yeah. Yeah and and I mean one of the things going on with this this concept about having it be digitally online and being able to buy digital decks like we we originally talked about was the whole idea of this 2000 shards and Basically, when you have two thousand shards, like that's you get something free. But what happens now if you start buying digital decks? Like this is the next kind of step in it because if people start realizing they just want to buy digital decks, which I'm kind of for, if you're able to print some, and there is a cost, and it'd probably be like what what Luke and I discussed was that he thinks there would be a cap, so like you'd have to buy like a display worth of decks, and each, and it would maybe be like it would be more expensive, but. There's the thing like maybe you're paying less for a deck. Like we were thinking like maybe like the $5 mark for a digital deck. And then and then you get this collection of decks and you get to play them and see what they're like. And then, then you can decide, do I want to get these printed and actually have them as real life decks? Because that's the issue we're having right now, you notice with, with getting too many decks. This would mm-hmm. allow you to really curate your collection.
1: Yeah, that's actually something I hadn't even considered. Um, At first, my first thought was, why do you even need to have digital decks? Why don't you just allow people to, you know, uh, uh, use the decks that they have in real life? Um, Which I'm sure they'll be able to do. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely sure. It would be crazy not to let people do that, given all the ways that they've already, like, basically have that figured out. And the way that people have already figured out how to do that with the Crucible, it would be nuts for them not to. But I guess my, my question around it, in my mind initially, was, well, if they have that as a system, then why even introduce the concept of digital decks? And I think possibly what what you and Luke were getting at was the idea that in order for there to be widespread adoption it can't mm-hmm. be a thing where somebody downloads the app and then has to go to a store and buy a deck or has to go online and buy a deck in order to try the game out there has to be an in-game way to accumulate decks and to try those out and that in some ways perhaps feeds then into actually IRL play
0: yeah it's it's true that is that is the the barrier that you cannot have and not to mention I think when you're buying something physical, you think more about like this is something I'm holding and takes up space or something you can buy digitally, you may be more likely to be like, Oh, I'm just gonna buy 10 decks right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you I don't think you'll think about it the same way. And it'll be more of a, a impulse buys can happen more easily. Cause if you have to go to the store, you have to literally go there, grab it, or if you're ordering online, there's the the delivery time. So it could be another barrier. It's like you don't have it right away. So when you have that itch on in a digital realm you can just literally pull that trigger click of the mouse you know tap of the the phone whatever it is and get and get another deck so i think that is something that uh will be very interesting if they go that route now something that leads to this that uh Jedi and i were talking about was what happens by doing this that you don't piss off local game stores because now you just took away the possibility of people buying decks from them. So they'd have to figure a way to to have that connected. And maybe that's more with like sealed tournaments and creating the sealed prizes in real life to be very spectacular so that you're, you're driven to play sealed there and things like that. Or maybe stores only do sealed tournaments because online you can do other tournaments and whatnot. Like who knows, right? But I just, that was just, I thought something very interesting is like, how do you go about doing this without pissing off the people that are right now fueling your game for the most part
1: yeah i mean once again you know i i i'm always the one who brings up magic and i'm always the one who has to say like you know we don't like to talk about magic and yet i'm always the one who brings it up but i think it's a worthwhile comparison in this case is that you know the 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 MTG player base, and especially people who are like they're living because they're a retailer depends on MTG, are constantly at war with Wizards of the Coast because Wizards of the Coast basically like you know not, to you know not to put too fine a point on it is so profit driven that they will routinely do things that like undercut their retailers, um, and they've pushed so hard uh, for arena to become the major way that people compete in Magic that basically it just cuts. The entirety of, of of the you know it, it basically saying that if all those stores closed tomorrow, they wouldn't be adrift. Like it would certainly hurt their business in some way, but at the same time, that wouldn't be you know the end of the world for Magic. Magic would still keep going in some capacity, in some way. And I don't but think there's, that's
0: There's also that. the the fact that those stores, I think most of them, the profit they make from Magic is actually not from selling. Their 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 cornerstone of their business is not the booster packs or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's actually the trading on the singles because of the margins that they're they're constantly fluctuating and the market value going up and down in so many different ways. That's something that they bought for ten cents now is now worth ten dollars, and and it's really hot. Like it, it creates. I think that's their true commerce.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think also the fact that you know a lot of those stores make. Uh, I I'm certainly not an expert on this, and I'm not going to try. I'm trying not to speak authoritatively on it because I'm not qualified to do so. But from what I understand, a large part of their business, as well as tournaments and the mm-hmm. desire for people to play IRL Magic. And I think that, you know, for one thing, FFG and Keyforge is in no way able to take those same tactics because they do rely so heavily right now on stores to support the game. And, and even there's no they- secondary
0: market like, like Magic has. You can't just trade in a card or two. It's like, how do you trade in a whole deck that's not good?
1: Yeah, we had a whole episode about this a while back. Yeah. What do you do with a deck you don't want? Uh... <laughs> that brought up my my recycling bin question, which a lot of people had interesting thoughts on, actually. But uh, yeah, I, I I guess the 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 there's a level that you can compare Arena to a theoretical client for Keyforge, and that the metaphor has to die at some point because the games are so fundamentally different. Both. In the way that they're played, obviously, but also I think in the way that they exist uh, as far as secondary market um, and in terms of the support structure that exists for them in terms of retail. Um, I don't think that FFG would be well served by doing anything to undercut stores. So the question becomes at a certain point, how do you avoid, you know, every KeyForge player going, well, you know, forget this, I'm just going to play online. Why should I trundle out to the store every single week and see people when I can just play online? You know, uh, there's got to be something there for it. And I think that your suggestion of, you know, special tournaments and other things like that, that and prizes that can only be gotten uh, from IRL play is probably the way to go.
0: Yeah. And then there's also like Luke was saying, like maybe the LGS has managed digital tournaments and get a cut somehow, because I know that with, with Magic Arena, there are things like you have to go to the store to claim certain prizes, like, especially because of COVID, I think Magic did a good job of this where they, I don't know the exact logistics, but from what I understand is you do something online and then, and then you have to go give your Wizards account to the store and then you somehow claim your prize there, whether you pay money for it or I don't know what it is. It's like you have the right to get it, but you, Mm -hmm. so you have to earn the right to purchase this. And if you didn't earn that right, you cannot buy this product. So it's like a prize that you earn online, but you purchase it from your local store, which is which is kind of an interesting thing as well, I think. I don't think that's totally out of the realm of unreasonable because they pay for their prize kits and there's a margin on it. So I think that is maybe one of the ways that it can be done, which is kind of neat in a way.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but that's... yeah, there's
0: there's also the um, the fact that what's going to happen when you you have this and and the LGS is like you said like these these maybe it's a special tournaments that are done there. But for me, I actually play KeyForge. The whole reason I got into it is because it was a something I did with real people sitting across from me. I disconnected from technology. I got to have those interactions on a human level. Like, that was my biggest drawing point to Keyforge as a game. It wasn't that it was online. There's tons of online things you can do. I wanted to play games with people in front of me and have that social interaction. Like, that was important. Like, have a few hours every week where I'm disconnecting totally from technology and enjoying something that has a strategic quality to it, as well as, you know, the whimsical lore that exists within playing a game of Keyforge.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, a very similar thing for me as well, uh, Blake. You know, uh, I I never would have gotten sucked into Keyforge in the way that I had if it wasn't for the IRL community. It was getting to be friends with you and Rick and all of our other local Keyforge friends. Shouts out to all those folks if they're listening. And it's the thing that I've been missing from the game right now. I play Keyforge mm-hmm. every single day. Um, I play a couple of hours on the weekend probably, and then I get a a game or two in at my lunchtime and maybe one or two after work before I have other stuff that I have to do. Um, But, you know, it's because I'm embedded in the game at this point. I've Mm -hmm. invested time and effort into it, and it's a thing that I think is part of my life now. Mm -hmm. Um, But without that IRL component in the first place, I never would have gotten to where I am now. And so the question is, you know, there are tons of people we know of that got into the game strictly through digital because they don't have a local scene. That's the most common thing I see on Reddit all the time. I only play online because nobody here wants to play. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know
1: anybody else who, who can play. And so I think it's a mistake to suggest that, you know, there's only, or, not that there's only value in online play, but that that uh, IRL play is irreplaceable because a lot of people already do sort of live in an online KeyForge only world. But I think for the good of the game, both those things have to coexist in some way. And I think partially, perhaps the reluctance, the delay, the fact that we still don't even have word if there ever will be an official digital client might be because of, the concern of ffg of do we kill the game in some way by making it so that digital is as appealing as irl or more appealing than irl and what does that ultimately mm-hmm. say when the next hotness comes out and suddenly KeyForge isn't a thing anymore
0: you are very right i think that is a big part of it because As soon as you take the game online, there will be a portion of IRL players that no longer go because they don't have to. Like when you're in a position where to play competitive, you must go IRL and you take that off the table. How does that affect the game? And that was like the last point that uh, Luke made was talking about. This is like you're going to lose those IRL players and that could be a problem because... I think when you have a digital game and you don't have a physical thing that you possess, it actually is easier to just drop it no matter how much money you put into it because there's no space being taken up. And maybe that's part of the consideration. It's not about like we need an online client right now. Like obviously because of COVID, we're feeling this much more. But without COVID, I don't think we would feel the same way. And then on top of that, you have the fact that, you know, what happens like do we we're already having communities are having trouble in the height of Keyforge before we got into the pandemic. People were saying they could barely get a weekly, you know, sealed or a weekly chain bound happening. So what happens when you eliminate that further by making this like maybe it goes online and, and there's some strength there. But what does that happen to the physical game, which is the cornerstone of the game?
1: Absolutely, and that could
0: be exactly why we are not seeing this because they probably have numbers and are like these numbers are not at a point where we feel we have I guess the momentum and inertia to just keep this going and know we could lose maybe it's maybe I don't know how high the number is like it's got to be at least 25% from going to the stores which means if you have you need four players to play and one of those people decide no longer to come because of digital you no longer no longer have a game and if it's six people, you know, you just keep doing the math as you go up. All those turns become a little bit smaller by losing twenty-five people or twenty-five percent of, and if that's even the number, maybe even higher. Who knows?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. I mean, there's there's so many other things that we could be talking about here. I mean, I think your yours and my interest is almost entirely around how does the introduction of some theoretical digital version of KeyForge impact the community you Mm -hmm. and i are less interested in sort of the nuts and bolts of how the client would work Um, although we are very interested in what a digital deck looks like whether or not you can get a digital deck printed you know whether that's a prize whether it's something that you can pay for whether that's a big money maker for ffg those are things that interest us but i think more than anything else because you and i are very community oriented people it's always about does this help the community or does this hinder to the community? And in what ways does this change the community in ways that can never be changed back? What does this let out of the bottle, if you will? You know, what what Pandora's mm-hmm. box are we opening at this point? And we don't have good answers. I have to feel at this point, Blake, like, as we were just saying if FFG isn't seriously considering a digital client now at a time when people literally are discouraged from getting together in person to do anything, much less play a game, then it can't be something that they're thinking about at any point. Like, this would be the time.
0: You're right. That's, that is correct, I think. But like I said before, I think there could be maybe – I feel like I'm almost giving them too much credit. But there could be some sort of chart they have that they need to have this much showing in one area. Maybe it's sales, maybe it's OP, I don't know what it is. And they need data to be at a certain level where, okay, we know we can take the hit of people not going to the LGS from here, and that will be okay. We're not going to lose that. We're not going to piss them off. And it could be just as simple as that. There's just this graph they have, and when certain metrics hit this point, they can start either A, releasing the client, or B, developing it at a very fast pace. For all we know, they, they they might have one or have the bones of it ready to go. And they've been programming cards and things like that. And it's just a matter of getting the cosmetics, but they need it to be in a certain sort of uh, area where, where numbers are making sense for them to launch it because they don't want to kill the game um, that they're actually trying to promote. As you know, you show up and play with your friends and stuff like that, which obviously the whole like pandemic and not being able to get together thing really complicates this process. And it's probably really weighing on a lot of things very heavily.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I'm going to be very interested to see if we ever do get this client. Um. Obviously, we can play online. TCO is a thing. We have our own homebrew tournaments. We have our own homebrew. Like, we've given out all kinds of prizes for online tournaments. Like, you yourself have organized all kinds of crazy things that wouldn't even seem to be possible using, you know, uh, various means. Like, uh, we did that sealed tournament that time where you literally got physical product pulled the decks out, assigned them to people and sent them their QR so that we could play online. These are all things that are possible now. I think what changes obviously is that the support of FFG makes it not only quote unquote real, but also opens up a lot more opportunities for prizing and a lot more incentives for people to get into the game. And I think that's really the strength of doing something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. You and I can run 50, you know, uh, online tournaments a year if we wanted to, one every single week, just based on the community that already exists. But what's the motivation for somebody who is not already into the game to participate with us in those? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Can't end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one's called Help, Help from, future from, from Future Self. I have one. It's a real simple one. It's a reiteration of something I truly believe, which is you don't have to keep playing a game if you don't want to play it. And if you're not having fun, I am a big proponent of if you're, not having a good time because you're getting stomped because the other player is taking way too long on their turns and you just feel like you're just waiting, 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 waiting. Um, Any other reason, maybe you just don't even, you know, like the, the cut of another player's jib. It is okay to hit concede, say good game and walk away. I think that is a hundred percent acceptable. I don't care if it's turn two or turn 10. And this is the lesson that I am imparting this week as help from future self. If you load into the game and you're looking at the other person's deck and it looks like a bad match for you, I think it's okay to walk away before the game yeah, even no,
0: starts. Yeah, no, it's
1: true. Um, I don't just like-, like
0: quit though. Just be like, "Hey, um, this is I, I gotta go," or you know, give some sort of message like, mm-hmm. "Sorry, I got I gotta take off," or "Or this is this is not a good matchup for me. I'm trying to test something," or however you want to phrase it. But don't just like disconnect. That's that's the one thing. Like, let them know you're going to be leaving the game. Mm-hmm. Maybe give it a little apology. Sorry, this isn't working for me. Um, I'm trying to do something specific, so. Apologize, GG.
1: Yep, absolutely true. Politeness always in every scenario, even if that person is being impolite. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had things where people were, 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 were sassy at me in chat and I decided that I was done. I just wasn't interested in playing with somebody who was going to be a poor sport about the game we were playing, but I was still polite in my like concession. And I hope you have a good day. Thanks for the game and, and walking away. But I think that, you know, exactly what you said, if you're trying to test a deck and you load in and somebody is playing something that's just going to destroy it and you just know it, like say, You've got a new kind of OK deck, the but you know that some old school Coda rush is just going to stomp it out of existence. It's OK to say, sorry, dude, I, I just don't think this is going to be an OK match or I'm not interested in playing against Genka or anything else like that. I think that's totally acceptable as long as you're polite and offer an explanation, as you said, Blake. Mm hmm. You can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. You can find me as Scuzzy Gruen on Twitter, on The Crucible, and on Instagram, mostly on The Crucible these days. Blake, what have you got going on and where can folks find you?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's B L V D Paper Fight. Same name for my YouTube. Um, it's a little bit slower now, but I'm hoping to ramp things up in the next coming weeks. I will be doing my Keyforge advent calendar come December, which I'm very excited for, and I got everything to do that. Now I just need to get this, I guess, the vessel in which I'm going to open the advent calendar, which is going to be the most complicated part. And of course, I'm live on Twitch every Tuesday. So uh, come catch me there, Boulevard Blake.
1: Super into it. All right, we got to get out of here. Thank you very much for listening, whether it be online or IRL. Stay cool.